On today's show, the Yankees are in Minnesota to take on the Twins. And thanks to the big trade during the offseason, there are a lot of storylines surrounding this series. We'll preview the series and discuss those storylines. Miguel Andujar requested a trade after he was optioned down to AAA this weekend. And Gary Sanchez is supporting him, plus the story of the Yankees championship belt. That's all coming up right now on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Yankees fans. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Mastraco. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also hit the like button and the bell so you're notified as soon as our videos go live. And feel free to comment if you feel so inclined. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast locked on yankees amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on yankees sent you uh abby did you know that it is prince day today it's prince day his birthday right yes yes he was born Very june yeah june 7th 1958 and the yankees are playing on prince day they're giving away uh, from what I saw, purple shirts and purple, uh, they, it looked like a some sort of pullover windbreaker thing. So I don't know if you get both or if you get either or, but that's a pretty good giveaway. That's a great people. giveaway. I should have worn purple today. Yeah, I, I don't even have... I don't think I have purple. This is as close as I can get to purple. Um, so, yeah, the Yankees are in Minnesota to take on the Twins. And I know Yankee fans are very excited about this because of how well <laughs> the Yankees normally do against the Twins. It's been 20 years of straight up domination for the Yankees against the Twins. But as I always say, because I err on the side of caution at some point. Caution or pessimism? I think it's caution. <laughs> I think it's caution. At some point, this will turn around and the Yankees won't beat up on them as much. You know, Minnesota's a pretty good team this year. They're 32 and 24 coming into this series. And as we all know, the Yankees are 39 and 15, just like we all predicted at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Since 2008, the Yankees have posted a 65 and 26 record against the Twins during the regular season. Best mark against any American League team yeah. in that time span. And when you think about the Yankees and the Twins in the regular regular season, you have to also think about the Yankees and the Twins in the playoffs. And they've been dominating them since 2002. And, you know, I think we spoke about this on another show at some point, that those teams were not teams to sneeze at, you know? I mean, those were the Joe Maurer teams, the Justin Morneau teams, the Johan Santana teams. You know, these weren't teams that were bad. It was just... They were beating up on the AL Central. <laughs> and then when they ran into the Yankees yeah. in the playoffs, it was totally different. So well, I remember how crazy that um, 2017 AL wildcard game was at Yankee Stadium when both of the starters were knocked out early and everyone was thinking like, you know, the Yankees were the Yankees were done. And then suddenly it was I think it was, you know, it's Irvin Santana, I think, who started that game because I remember being like, 
wow, he's like had some career longevity and, and watching him because I, I watched him with the Angels a lot. I was like, he, you know, he, it's really great how he's been able to sort of reinvent himself. And then it just like that was such a roller coaster of a game. Oh, and yeah. that was sort of the comeuppance for the Yankees. You know, that was like the end of the rebuild. And it yeah. was a crazy game. And it was my first playoff game at Yankee Stadium. And it was, oh, that very was an cool. interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> for me, that game was, you know, that was they went down early three nothing. Severino started that game. Right. And then Gregorius hits the game tying home run. Then Minnesota um, pulls ahead 4-3. Then Brett Gardner pulls them ahead 5-4. And it was just, it was a really crazy game. How and do you the- still remember ever? Like, of all the games that you've watched, like, that's like a, <laughs> that's such an inconsequential game. Like, it was an a- one AL wildcard game five years ago. And you still remember everything that happened? Like, well, I, I will- have some really vivid memories of certain games in my life that I've yeah. either like covered or watched, but like I can't tell you the exact play-by-play of any of them. Well, for me, I was doubly nervous that day or feeling out of sorts because October 3rd is my dad's death date. So October 3rd is kind of a hard day for me. But in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, wherever Gus is... He's not going to allow the Yankees to lose tonight. It's just not going to happen. So I kind of had faith in that, <laughs> that my dad would not allow them to lose. And I was like, thanks, Gus. Thank you. Wherever you are, you know, floating around in the universe. Thank you for that. Um, I just like, I remember certain moments of certain games that I've covered. I, I mean, I remember, I can tell you the best game that I've ever seen, not necessarily a, like baseball game. I'm talking like the best game that I've ever covered, period was game five in Chicago, 2014 um, Western Conference Final. Chicago, the, the Kings and um, the Blackhawks played in double overtime. Oh, yeah. And there was a, just a really long period, no stoppages, no whistles. And it was just like, like the most, some of the most like beautiful sequences I've ever seen on, on. It's uh, nice hearing. when the refs don't get involved, right? And they just let them play. Yeah. And <laughs> there were just like quality chances and quality saves. And it was like just it was the best game I've ever covered and look I've, I've seen some cool games and the I think the most memorable game for me of like not my maybe not my childhood because I was 16 but with the 2002 Western Conference Finals the Sacramento Kings not the LA Kings the Sacramento Kings um losing to the Lakers and Chris Webber being unable to handle the basketball and yeah. it still breaks my heart but I can't remember like specific play-by-play the way that you can yeah I mean I can't remember why I walk into a room but I can remember play-by-play from games like 15 years ago I don't know how my brain works it's you know it's just one of those things now speaking of the games and everything that's happened so far Josh Donaldson part of the trade before the offseason to come here um Isaiah kind of for the other side Gio Urshela Gary Sanchez Josh Donaldson has contributed to two wins so far as a walk-off hero opening day and the most recent game <laughs> of the season. Been in the news for some other reasons. True. Yes. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has had some big defensive plays. He's had some big hits, you know, tying up games and, you know, contributing. Um, I feel like fans still aren't sold on Kiner-Falefa. Yeah. Like watching some reaction on, on Twitter, people are still kind of like, show me what you got. But like mm-hmm. I, I've, I've, I think he's made some pretty good defensive plays in in the times that I've seen him play. And granted, look, 
I'm not at a point where I can be watching every single Yankee game every night. It's just not possible for me with hockey right now. But like I like I like I've talked about before, I try and go back and watch replays in the mornings and um Twitter just seems so skeptical of him. Like there's a, look, it's Twitter. There's all sorts of people who are like they're the experts on everything. Nobody's ever been wrong on the internet. Never. There's all sorts of fans who don't like his footwork and they they um don't like his approach in the batter's box. And it's like, I don't see the footwork problem. And I've been around this game quite a bit. And granted, I'm no expert, but like, I don't see the footwork problem. Right. I, I just, I, it, I don't know, it kind of cracks me up. I feel bad for him. Like it's a, it's a pressure cooker. As we've talked about many times, it's very tough to play in New York, especially in a position like that. But I, I feel like fans are not sold on kind of Falefa yet. And I think that was a pretty good off season move. Yeah. And it's just funny because as I mentioned, they're 39 and 15. Like, stop complaining about dumb stuff right now. Just be happy that they're doing as well as they're doing because they have a really rough schedule coming up at the second half of this month. And even, you know, again, Minnesota's no one no one to sneeze at. The other part of that trade, Ben Rortvet is still not back because he had the initial injury, then a secondary injury that happened while he was rehabbing. But they got Jose Trevino in his place. And he's been extremely influential. Yeah. And then as for Sanchez and Urshela, they're not exactly blowing the doors off the place, but I feel like the change of scenery is good for Gary Sanchez so far this season. I wonder, I just wonder how they're going to perform against the Yankees. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Sanchez is going to do something. It's always interesting when like a, a, a player gets traded and then all of a sudden just like has an absolutely like lights out game. Yeah. I feel like Sanchez is going to have a big home run team. Like, yeah, I just sort of, I love I love the chaotic storylines, but like I know fans don't. Sorry. Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost afraid that Sanchez is going to hit a walk off home run at some point <laughs> in this series. Well, and he said he, he said through hands later. Um, he was talking to um, the uh, Twins beat writers. He said he anticipates some adrenaline. Yeah. Which oh, is, sure. I think, understandable. Yeah. It's like seeing an ex boyfriend or an ex girlfriend. You know, like oh. you. Uh, your heart knowing goes, that you're going to see them all of a sudden yeah. you've got that and you've got the nerve you you want to look really good you want to make them look jealous you want to regret their decisions yeah yeah and then you also feel the you know your heart's beating fast you almost yeah. feel a little sweaty because you're all nervous you're like oh god how's this going to work out yeah you I shouldn't like have walked away from me you made a mistake that's yeah. what you want them to think yeah. <laughs> So in a moment, we will finish up the conversation about this, plus go through the matchups in this Twins-Yankees series. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. And why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer and then choose only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. 
We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. So, Carlos Correa. <laughs> Such a controversial one in the offseason. Like, there were fans who, when I talked about Carlos Correa would be good for the Yankees, there were fans who were like, the Yankees don't need leadership. And we've been over this and over this again. Yes, every team needs leadership, especially since Brett Gardner is gone. But right. the, this notion that, like, because it's the pinstripes, that, like, the leadership is already, like, embedded in the clubhouse. No, 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 That's not how that works. Like, you have to have players that are setting the culture. And I get that people are still bitter about the Astros, um, the sign stealing. And there's there's obviously, like, a lot of anger towards that. But, like, man, I got such fiery reactions when I said that the Yankees should give Carlos Correa a contract. I, I, oh, me I, mean, too. I should have expected that, but like, yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting to see the range of like, look, like I've been in clubhouses for a decade now. Like these people have not, have not, like I, I understand how on the outside you, there's this like culture and the aura of the pinstripes and, you know, there's no facial hair and it's been set for decades. Like the culture in the clubhouse has been set that's not, not the culture in the clubhouse, though. That's the culture around the team. Right. That's different than the day-to-day in the clubhouse. And Carlos Correa in Minnesota, look how well they're doing with some leadership on that team now. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone who was worried about, although actually what happened a couple of weeks ago didn't really help Donaldson's case, but mm-hmm. they were worried about him coming over because of the stuff he said about Cole last season. And who was the first one out of the dugout when Donaldson walked off against the Red Sox on opening day? Garrett Cole. He, like, nearly jumped over the fence to get to the field. So, you know, these guys talk it out. They're going to be teammates. They know they have a job to do. They're not going to be fighting with each other. You know, they these guys know that there's a common goal, and they're not going to let things from the past ruin that. So... I didn't think that there would be a problem with Correa because he would probably come over, talk to them privately about everything yeah. that happened, and it would be fine. And, you know, I got I got people mad at me, too, because I kept talking about Well, because Correa. there are things that, like, not all the information has been made public, and there are right. things that we're never going to know because we were not in that clubhouse. There's things that I've been told by members of the Astros front office or the, or, you know, other teams front offices that I've been told off the record that I can see like, okay, that looks bad. That looks fine. It's like adds a little more context. Um, you know, it's not as cut and dry as the Astros stole signs and screwed the Yankees out of a championship. Um, from all the information that we have, they were not doing that in the postseason. So I understand the fan resentment saying they stole a championship, but look, would the Yankees have even won the world series that year? Like if they, would they have won in 2017? If they had gotten past the Astros, because you act like the narrative is like 
they stole a champion. No, maybe the Yankees, the Yankees just would, the Yankees would have still had to win in the World Series. Right. That's, are we really going to say that like that wasn't, that was going to be an automatic win for them? Right. I get it. Look, I just talked about the 2002 Western Conference Finals with the Kings and the Lakers. And I, would the Kings have won the NBA championship that year? Like, I don't know. Right. I would have liked to think that they had a shot. Yeah. But like, that is still the most devastating sports event in my lifetime. It is. And I'm so dead inside as a fan. Maybe it's because of that one incident. I don't know. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm still not, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh yeah, the Kings definitely would have won the championship that year. No, they would have still had to win in the championship. Right. It's not, it is what it is. It happened. Correa in the Yankees clubhouse, I don't think would have caused any problems, but kind of Falefa has done well for them. It it all worked out probably the way it was supposed to. I would, or the way that Cashman envisioned it to work out. The way because that Cashman he was, envisioned it working out. You know, he was banking on some of these guys to do better. And so far, you know, Glaber's doing a lot better yeah. than he's been the last two seasons. So things are working out probably the way. Would made an impact on the Yankees, though? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He yeah. would have made a huge impact. Yeah. So let's look at, because at first it was TBD, but now we know who's pitching for the Twins. So it will be... Jamison Tyone, who has been incredible this season so far with his 6-1 and one record, not that that matters, but 2.3 ERA, 44 Ks, nearly pitched a perfect game. <laughs> you know, that run that the Yankee starters had last week that was ruined by Jordan Montgomery in his 6-1 and one third innings and two runs, how dare you? Um, I joked about it on the show yesterday. I was like, that wasn't even a bad start, but I said it before the game on Sunday that if he gives up two runs, it's going to be such a big disappointment <laughs> compared to what the other guys did ahead of him. Yeah, the rotation is really driving. The, that is the engine that is making this bus go right now. Mm-hmm. And he will be up against Cole Sands, who's a right-hander, who's 0-1 with a 7.88 ERA. Um, let's see how many games and innings. Okay, so only three games and one game started. And let's see. He pitched four innings against Detroit in his last start on the 31st, gave up four runs on five hits. So, yeah, he doesn't really pitch a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees offense does against him because as we saw against Rodriguez on Friday night, um, yes, he was tipping his pitches and, you know, he came into the game with not such a great ERA, but the Yankees destroyed that poor guy. And I said it on yesterday's show. I don't understand how A.J. Hinch kept him in long enough to give up 10 runs. I felt so bad for him. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, like, it, that was, uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't speak to it because I, I don't know what's going on in their bullpen right now. I don't know if it's depleted. Was it, Sometimes you just have to wear it and it's unfortunate, but like. I don't, I, I don't know the domino effect that it might have had on the bullpen or their pitching staff situation. Right. Um, sorry. We're, we're getting really close to the Stanley Cup. I'm doing what I can here. <laughs> <laughs> and then tomorrow night's matchup is Nestor Cortez against Chris Archer. That should be an interesting one. So Cortez yeah, I'm is... By that. Yeah, 5-1 with a 1.50 ERA, 68 strikeouts. Archer is 0-2 with a 3.89 ERA, 32 strikeouts. Nestor Cortez, I mean, just (laughs) every time I think that, okay, this is going to be the time. This is going to be the game where it's, you know, 
I don't expect him to get blown up by anyone, but I expect there to be a start where he's like human. And so far it's like, no, (laughs) he keeps just plugging away and, you know, being the ace. And when you look at the rotation, his 1.50 obviously leads the rotation and Jordan Montgomery with his 3.02 has the worst out of all the starters where other teams would be thrilled if their number one had a 3.02 ERA ERA and he is the weak the weak one right I don't think I I, so I mean it's pretty it's just pretty clear that this is the strength of the team and we all thought it would be the bullpen Mm -hmm. which has been a huge strength as well but this rotation is just absolutely out of this world right now yeah, and, which is helping the bullpen because these guys are lasting six, seven, eight innings and giving guys rest because, you know, there are a few guys that are out now. So the bullpen needs that to happen. So, yeah, it it's looks so, that the rotation looks so strong right now. Yeah. Now, one number that sticks out to me in the matchups, because we didn't get to the matchups for the other two, but that's OK. Josh Donaldson has faced Chris Archer 47 times. He's only batting 149, but he has three home runs and four runs batted in. And the rest of the Yankees mm, don't really do that great against Archer. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez has 14 at-bats against him. He's batting 357. But Matt Carpenter has faced him 11 times, only batting 182, but he does have a home run. And, you know, the magic of the stash is happening with Matt Carpenter still. The magic of the stash. We could say the same thing with Nestor. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, I feel like almost telling some of the Yankees who are struggling just grow a porn stash, and it just seems to be it seems <laughs> grow, to be helping everyone. Grow an '80s mustache. Yeah, look like one of the village people, and it kind of helps. In a moment, we'll go through the third matchup of the series. We'll talk about Andujar wanting to be traded and being supported by former teammate Gary Sanchez. And if we get to it, because I mentioned it in the cold open, we'll talk about the Yankees championship belt. But if we don't get to it, we'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. But first, don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? What if I told you that you could have all that chewy, chocolatey goodness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. And they're 130 calories, again, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. And I would replace a regular brownie with the caramel brownie in a heartbeat because they taste just as good. Caramel brownie bars are covered in 100% chocolate. With Built, you don't have to sacrifice taste for health. You can have both. And all of Built bars, sorry, (laughs) all of Built's bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons why you should try Built Bars, but for now, let's just say caramel brownie will rock your world. And that's not an understatement. With Built Tasty is Healthy, go to Built.com right now to get your box of caramel brownie bars now. Go to Built, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So matchup number three on Thursday, these are all night games. Garrett Cole against Dylan Bundy. Now, Garrett Cole, with his 2.78 ERA, I'm just kidding, is the 
third best starter on the Yankees <laughs> after enough. after Nestor Cortez and Jamison Tyone. So the order, yeah. well, order is almost right. So yeah, so Cole against Bundy. Cole is five and one with a two point seven eight ERA, eighty one strikeouts though. He strikes out a ton of guys, even when he's not doing that well. He did have that one game a couple of starts ago where he gave up a few runs, but he also struck out like ten. So he's always done that. He's always yeah. he gets he's he gets guys to chase. Like he's, he he gets the bat swinging. Yeah, and then Dylan Bundy is three and three with a five point five seven ERA and thirty six strikeouts, and that is in nine games. He's made nine starts. It's forty two innings, and his last start against Toronto was not a good one. He lasted two and one third innings, gave up five runs on eight hits. But against Toronto, who's picking things up, you kind of expect that. So, what will happen against the Yankees? You never know, because with the way they hit the other night. I was a little worried about that, too, because it was like, oh, my God, they scored 13 runs. They're not going to score for the rest of the series. And they did, you know, eventually on Sunday, you know. Um, So, yeah, those are your matchups. Now, the next bit of news came out, I believe it was Sunday, and I didn't get to talk about it yesterday. Honestly, people, I forgot because there were other things that I was discussing, and I figured I'd rather discuss this with Abby. Miguel Andujar was optioned again, and he... The first report came out from Hector Gomez on Twitter, and he's usually right with his reports. He's a reporter from the Dominican Republic, and some people were like, eh, they, don't, they didn't believe it. And then it officially came out <laughs> that, yes, Andujar did request a trade. And I feel bad for Miguel Andujar. He had an amazing 2018 season. He's had injury problems since 2020, but he's done a good enough job in the limited at-bats that he's had during this season and he's improved his defense a lot because they have him playing left field in Yankee Stadium which is not easy to do and he was looking a lot better and I feel bad that he's not getting the chance to play but it's just a matter of there are guys ahead of him that are blocking him from playing yeah I think he's a pretty good candidate for a he's a change of scenery guy yeah look he's done better this year um, Glaber's having a great resurgent year though. And I think it was, if both of them were going to bounce back, it was going to be tough to find spots. Right. Right. And Glaber was the one who is having a better year this year. He, it's positionally, he's sort of more necessary than Andujar right now. It's just tough. Like it's, it's a little bit crowded right now. Cause he's blocked and, in two positions. Cause he could play third. Yeah. And he could play any outfield position now because, well, not center field, but they've put him in both corners and he's blocked in every spot when people are not healthy. But Stanton's back. And what are they going to do? They can't really. Look, it's unfortunate. You want to keep a young kid like that around because I believe he still has some years of team control. it's, It's not somebody he can request a trade. I don't know if the Yankees are going to want to do that, given his status of having couple years of team control still right I but I I said for a little while and like looking at his numbers he'd be good to it might be better for him to go somewhere else yeah and be in a different system with a different philosophy and another coach is going to identify something with him and uh, it's a tough call it's it's I understand you know why he might want it and and I can see why the Yankees wouldn't want to do that for him um right I don't know. We'll figure, we'll find out pretty soon here. Yeah. He was a he's a very good young player, but he is sort of he's he's stuck. He's not showing what he showed a few years ago, and he's also stuck positionally behind 
couple guys, it's a really tough place to be in. Uh, Gary Sanchez said this to reporters through an interpreter. My opinion, it's time for them or any other team to give him an opportunity. He deserves to play in the big leagues. He's done a good job offensively, but also defensively. He's come a long way defensively, and he's shown that he's capable of staying in the big leagues. Maybe he deserves an opportunity on another team. Now, this is another situation because we were talking about Sanchez. Like, oh, you know, he's going to be facing the Yankees. (laughs) What is he going to do against them? And I feel like if they honor this and they trade him away and they're able to get something good in return for him and – he ends up playing against them. I can picture something happening also with Andrew yeah. having like a big hit. Well, against I, them. I mean, Gary knows because he was subject to so much subjected to so much scrutiny. Oh yeah. You know, development is an inexact science and Gary had a couple good years and then it looked like he regressed and Duhar a couple good years looked like he regressed. And a lot of people were very critical of the Yankees development um, process processes process i can never get that word because <laughs> development development is not about playing at the highest level development is a process in place you need resources you need systems and there were people criticizing the yankees development processes for a little bit because it looked like some of these young guys were regressing and the system wasn't quite churning out the baby bombers the way it was a few years ago right. And that's naturally what's going to happen when you get these guys who kind of level off after a little bit. So it's, I I see where Gary Sanchez is going to want to back his buddy like that because he's been on the receiving end of a lot of the criticism and he's probably, you know, he knows better than anybody that player development system. And look, maybe it is lacking something. I I don't know. I have not been able to like look too deeply into it this, this season, but like, I understand where Sanchez is coming from. He was in that position a few years ago too. I mean, even last year, when, or when did when was he? Not, um, people thought he was going to get non-tendered after. Oh yeah, I believe yeah it was last year because we figured he'd be used for um, right for a transaction, which he was. But some people were very surprised to see that the Yankees tendered him a contract. Yeah, and I just I can understand why he would take that position and he can relate really well and to you know speak out like that I don't know if maybe he would be still be doing that if he was a member of the Yankees but now that he's not (laughs) much easier for him to be able to express his thoughts on it right right so we don't have time to get to the championship belt but we'll talk about that on the next show because as you all know the Yankees have a championship belt they award it to the player of the game and there's a nice story behind it but we'll get to that tomorrow we'll also recap tonight's game talk about any storylines that happened tonight and there are things around baseball that we need to discuss I don't want to spoil too much but we will discuss it on the next show because it's kind of important personally for me and for a lot of other people well, and if you've listened to the show, you know that we're not afraid to dive into sort of the intersection between sports and societal issues. Yes. So there's your there's your spoiler alert um, for tomorrow. Again, it'll be it'll be a recap of the game. Talk about the championship belt. Maybe someone will get the championship belt tonight. We'll figure that out tomorrow. And then we'll talk about the other stuff. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Abby and I would like to remind you that you can listen to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like, comment, 
click the bell button. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Now make your second listen of the day Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present, and it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We'd really appreciate it. So enjoy your Tuesday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.